Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's instalment of Loose Lips. I believe it's the fifth instalment we're starting for you today, so we've got four incredible guests. Later on, we'll be catching up with Ben Bowers, who is a specialist guitar tech for one of the biggest upcoming bands on the planet. Uh, Rival Sons has also worked with a plethora of massive bands there as well. Not only that, we've got Ralph Lawson, the chief honshaw of 2020 recordings and also Inner City Electronic. Before him, we've got Dan, who is the drummer of Liam Gallagher's band, touring band as well, and involved heavily in both albums as well. But So we'll be chatting with him. But first up is my brother who's just come into the group, Danny Wolf, Danny DeVille. The Art of Wolf, the gentleman who has one of the most purest director eyes for shooting amazing, amazing footage in not just music videos, but also films as well, short films. So I'll be speaking to him about his rise. Danny, if you want to send me through the uh, request button, shout out Si Martin locked in, you know that. Shout out Henry as well. Let's see technology connectors. Yes, bro. How are you doing? I'm alright, mate. Wow. So Cast up. You firstly, might you might you might need to give it a bit of context. Firstly, I mean, let's oh, look at the gams. Well. The gams are looking fresh. Like, I'm, you know what? Like I opted for these. Like I saw I saw a geezer in them and I was like, why have I got one of those like shitty things that's open at back? I want yeah. like I want these. It I'm taking like it looks I'm like a home. kimono. Oh, these are going on, bro. Don't worry about that. Looks like a catsuit <laughs> proper yeah. So go on then. So for everyone who's watching, this is Danny Deville, the director extraordinaire. And um, I look fucked, by the way. He he is just catching up to us, mate. Check out it. Oh mate, it's all about fucking not sleeping for three days and being in ten out of ten pain. That's what it's about. So yeah, so everyone who's tuned in, Danny is in hospital right now. He's an absolute trooper. He still wanted a feature on the chat, but He's in hospital, so I think you should set it up, mate, because it, I, I couldn't believe what you told me, so I want you to tell the people. <laughs> All right, so basically, Thursday night, I was um, I live with this dude who's a photographer um, as well, so I just know him from chatting photography, and he's got a clothing brand, and he'd seen that I'd done like little bits of, you can't call it modelling, but, you know, wearing other people's clothes for bits of money, let's put it like that. Um, and he was like, oh, do you want to wear some of my clothes and we'll go out and take some pictures and stuff? It's a nice day. It was that sunny day on Thursday, do you remember? Yeah. Um, and so I was like, yeah, go on then. got nothing to do, whatever. So he goes out. I live in, um, we live in like a warehouse conversion. So um, we went out the front of ours. There's loads of shit around. There's loads of trucks and there's a railway, like just buyers, all different. We were going all over the place anyway, just getting shit. And obviously me being me, like starts putting different threads on and like, right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. He's like, all right, he's, the girl who was like with him, who's his ex-girlfriend, was like, you need to calm down because like we're going to get in trouble or whatever. I was like, bro, like, it's, do you know what I mean? Like, let's get some good shots. Um, anyway, so there's this truck opposite our house, like a Warburton's type truck, do you know what I mean? Not an 18 wheeler, but like proper, you know, bread truck type deal. And um, I was like, I can definitely get up on there. And then Amazi, who's a photographer, was like, yeah, you could get up on there. It'd be sick as well because it was all like blue sky. So we're going to shoot, like, tilted up into the sky. I was like, right, sweet, I'm doing it. 
um, had to wait for his like girl to leave because she was like complaining. So then I was like, right, I'll do it now. Jumped up and then got up, took all the pictures and stuff. And then when I was up there, I was like, oh, she's actually sweet up here. Like, and he was we were, at the same time, we both were like, you know what I mean? If I jumped off this and like, we got like a midair freeze frame, like <laughs> just being stupid. Didn't, it didn't even cross my mind that it was like, was going to be any type of an issue. I looked down, I was like, yeah, that's just, you know, like that's what you jump off every day when you're like a kid. Do you know what I mean? It's not even a big deal. Um, so I was like, right, I'm going to do it. Get ready. So like, also the fact that I didn't think about it was the fact that I, I ran and I jumped and I didn't jump down. I jumped like up and starfished like out. So I probably went about four or five feet above the truck anyway. Obviously, as soon as I started descending, like I went like, oh fuck. And like, it was, you know, when you know that like you've, like this is the moment Danny knew that you really messed up yeah. <laughs> and I was like um you just got to the ground landed landed on both my feet perfect 10 landing do you know what I mean if it was in Olympics I'd have got <laughs> I'd have got I got bare scars but like I just straight away I was like oh yeah that's that's done some damage that has and then from then on I, I couldn't walk I couldn't lift my legs up or anything my legs were shaking I thought I'd just sprained both my legs were hurting I was like oh fuck I wonder if I sprained one and I've just bruised another, all this stuff. Anyway, they tried to get me inside. Long story short, um, I was like, oh, probably just a sprain. I'm going to go chill, smoke some weed. Um, and then it, the more, like, the minutes went on, the just the more and more, like, my leg was shaking. I was like, oh, this can't be right. Do you know what I mean? There's something gone on. So they take me to the hospital and basically I broke my right leg in six places and my left foot in two places. Um, so I've got to have surgery. cast it up? One's casted up, but it's ripped apart because there was too much pressure on it. Um, so they had to rip it up. And I'm going for a pot. Mid, mid this, you're probably going to see me traveling through the hospital to get a pot done. <laughs> so you might be a part of the pot. Um, and my um, ex-girlfriend just berated me for calling it pot instead of cast. Because uh, she's posh, basically. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to get a pot done in a bit. Um and the other one doesn't need a pot. I've just got like one of those like boot things on it. Um, but my right's got to have surgery. So I've got to have, like four plates in it tomorrow. Um, so I've got surgery tomorrow afternoon on that. And then, yeah, I've got another however long recovery. So that's the, that's, that's me up to now. I tell you what's crazy is, you know, when you were saying about when you're up in the air, you expect the ground to be there, don't you? It reminds yeah, yeah. me of when I uh, climbed the wall at Glastonbury and I did the same. You don't dangle. You look back, you're like, why didn't you dangle? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah. just jump, yeah. you just sort of jump. Yeah, you don't think like, it through. You, it's like, like, why, why you wouldn't you think that through? Now, and then it's yeah. like, bam. Because the thing is, when gravity hits, you're like, it's almost like you pause for a second and you come to that realisation, you're like, whoa. And then all of a sudden, like, you know when, like, in, in team, TV movies and stuff, where when people fall, they're going like that. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you, you actually do that because your yeah. body starts, because there's so much time, your body starts going like, whoa. Well, can that, you imagine what it's like for that, uh, for Felix, bang, bam, 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 bam. Yeah, 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 yeah. That would have been nuts, man. Mental. It's crazy. Mental. So, yeah, like, I, I just knew straight away it was too high. I think, we, I thought, in thinking my head, I thought it was about seven feet in my head, we're looking down, and obviously depth perception is different when you're looking down and looking at just a blank concrete surface as well. There's nothing to like gauge how far it was. But when I when I was on the floor looking back up, it was like <laughs> easily like 14 feet. Do you know what I mean? It was like it was a proper full like size truck. And I was like, how did I? Why did I do that? Like I don't get how it. How did you but get up? How did you manage to get on it? Were it a foot up? Like a pedal? I just I just climbed it. Oh, yeah. Bear. 
Yeah, so I was probably six, yes, or seven. But when you say there was like there, yeah, was, yeah. there was like the bit at the bottom where you can stand on just underneath the lights, the bar, and then yeah. there was like another like little ledge what where the, the the ramp comes out. So I jumped on that, and then there was like two handles. So like I did like a little rock climb up onto the handles, ah. and then pulled myself up. And then on top of the truck there was like scaffolding, um, scaffolding like wood, like what they use for scaffolding. So it was like cut, the whole top was like that. So I was like, oh, it's sweet. Um, yeah, so I got up easy. Got down easier to be fair, but like it didn't, <laughs> didn't work out as well. Thinking you were parkour and yeah, yeah, Papa did a Michael fucking what's his name, didn't I? Parkour. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's why I'm at where I'm at. I'm just like sat chilling. I've like it's been so much pain though. It's been probably the most painful thing I've ever experienced in my life. It's been crazy, like really, really crazy. So how um, are you gonna uh, be in there? Do you think? Well, I've got surgery tomorrow and I think recovery after that because I'm having the plates to keep you in a bit longer. So it might be about four four or five days after that. And then I've got like, and then it's like 12 weeks recovery after that at home. But like the first six weeks, you can't put weight on. So I've got, obviously I've got both legs done up, so I'm not going to be able to walk. And then after six weeks, you can walk on crutches. So um, yeah, awesome. So leading that full circle then, will that, when you get back up and running and we're allowed back out, how's that going to impact your your, your vocation? Well, it's going to impact it massively at the minute because I, I I can't do anything. Like I can't. There's no way I could do. There's no way I could do a shoot or do photography or anything with the way I'm now. And even if I'm on crutches, it'd just be a nightmare. Because I don't know if you've ever been on crutches, but just getting around on crutches is, a, is an absolute nightmare. Like it's not easy at all. It's hard work to like be on crutches all day. Um, but this, um, my only like kind of saving grace, I think, in it all is it's come, it's happened now, and I'm hoping that they kind of they run the course together. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'll I'll hit I'll start hitting just as that drops off. Do you know what I mean? Um, so then I hopefully like by that point I'll have been in a position where I've, I feel comfortable to actually do stuff. Um, so that's my that's my my kind of dream scenario with it but we'll see what happens like the thing is though like you know i'm in this hospital and i've been talking to the nurse today and she's been up in the covid ward she does like a day on day off at the covid ward and she was just saying that one of her best mates just died two days ago a fellow nurse um there's loads of flowers outside our ward for him um and she was just like you don't understand how bad it is like people is it's not flu people are literally like gassed out do you know what i mean like people are just on ventilators like fighting for their lives and stuff I was like, I don't feel that hard done by. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've, this is the worst, in, worst I've probably ever been in my life. I've had a lot of different injuries and I do a lot of stupid things. But, like, even though I'm in all this pain, I'm just looking at myself and going, well, you know what I mean? I've got nurses looking after me. I've got a warm bed. I've got food. I've got mates to talk to. I've got people ringing me well with well wishes. Do you know what I mean? It's, you got to look at it for what it is. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're always going to have shit like this happen. So it doesn't really... I don't, I'm not really fazed by this type of thing. Do you know what I mean? I, I kind of expect it, and I think everybody should kind of expect it because it doesn't end. Do you know what I mean? It, it just keeps going. You're going to keep getting obstacles. So I'm pretty chill. I'm pretty chill about it, to be honest. I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about it. Good man, good man. Well, let's rewind it all the way back to before you even started doing what you were doing. Where did the passion for films come from? I think it started properly where I was getting deep into it when I had insomnia when I was a kid so I, st I had insomnia from about 12 13 really bad where I was like actually I would not sleep all night get up go to school same again every night same again every night 
And to kind of combat that, um, back in the days when video shops were a thing, um, there was the video shop on the end of my road, and that's all I used to do was go, and I'd, I'd rent four VHS tapes, showing my age now, rent four VHS tapes, and that would be my night. It would be like eight hours, two, four, six, eight hours, whatever, of like film, for watching films. So I did that for a good two years, from maybe like 13, 12, 13 to 14, 15. Um, by the time that two years had done, I'd watched probably thousands and thousands of films. I'd bought thousands of films. My whole room was full of them. And I think I'd like, you know, I'd taught myself, I was teaching myself film at that point. I was I was going beyond like all the films that you watch growing up because it's just the film that kids watch to watching like, you know, serious movies that you would never even imagine a 12 or 13 year old watching, I guess. So I think like that, That's that's what's, kind of moved me from being a film fan to being like a fanatic or being a having a passion for it and you know at that point I never imagined I mean we're from the I don't whoever's listening to this knows but we're from the same same ends me and Brownie we're both from Bradford so yeah so um I don't know what it was like for you with the things you wanted to do but no one ever told me I could be a film director when I grew up in Bradford so there was there was zero job opportunities for what I actually wanted to do in my life so it was it was never even a thought in my head like oh yeah I want to be a film director or I want to be an actor it was like you know you're going to go work in a factory or you're going to be a mechanic do you know what I mean so it was like I never had I never felt like I had an opportunity to even consider it at that age so it was never even a thing it wasn't until probably I got to maybe about 17 or 18 where I was kind of thinking I'd kind of be, I was so serious about it that I was like, oh, one day, you know, that dream of one day I'll get to make films or I'll be a part of them. Or I didn't even know what a director or cinematographer, the difference was between them at that point. Do you know what I mean? I just knew that, like, I knew Steven Spielberg was and I knew a few, like, other directors were, but I didn't know the ins and outs of it all. Like, so it was kind of like that thing of, like, slowly started to, like, give myself belief that somehow something was going to materialise for me and somehow something was going to like land in front of me and give me an opportunity. Do you know what I mean? Um, so it kind of like slowly progressed from there. And it wasn't until, you know, I didn't go to film school till I was 24. Um, this is one thing I wanted to like, I'm glad you brought it up because you had your own business and everything. And I remember that switch, even at that point of that, like your age when you were like mid twenties, whatever, and you were saying, this is what I was going to do. I yeah. know people looked and thought, what is doing? What is giving up this? Yeah, so would you like to, sort of take us through what you were doing and what made you take the leap? Yeah, well, absolute brutal honesty. I was getting wrecked every night. I had this business, met you, met all the boys. So his business I, wasn't getting wrecked. His business was uh, in the Leeds Corn Exchange. <laughs> yeah, let's you, give that context. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. You had, you had, you so had, I, had, I had, a, had a movie star, basically. It was everything... The only thing I knew how to do at that point was to have something to do with movies because I love movies. So it was like sell everything that involved in movies from posters to figures to cars. It's a bad to... motherfucker wallet. Bad motherfucker. Did you get one of them? Did no, I give you Bingley one? Bingley got it, didn't he? The Bingley got it, did he? Um, yeah, so it was like I was doing that so I didn't have to go get some shitty jobs. You know what I mean? It wasn't like it was my passion. It was like I just wanted to do something for myself that wasn't, you know, wasn't going to like burn me. And then, you know, I moved to Leeds, which is where I met you lot started going out and I kind of I'd already lost the the care to do it because I wasn't my, my head wasn't in it and I think like obviously like going out and taking drugs and and meeting a certain group of people and freeing yourself up and like starting to vibrate higher and higher and higher on a short period of time it really made me realize like shit like 
uh, I can actually do whatever I want. Do you know what I mean? I don't need to, uh, nothing can stop me from getting to where I want to be. Things can get in the way. Do you feel that the, the collective of people that we had that really were emphasised by how what people have gone to do? It were almost like we were in a we we're in a collective, but we didn't realise how much we were spurring each other on to the point yeah. of anything is possible at that point. It was just yeah. going out. We were living, and it were like you can do that. We can do that. And yeah, I think there was. Seeds. I think I think there was almost like a weird thing where, like, it was like this perfect storm of characters that we all met each other and. Everyone was different, but everyone was on the same vibe. Everyone had their own thing going on. Everyone had a future plan that was like kind of a fantastical dream. No, no one was just like, oh, I'm going to be an, act, uh, an accountant. Everyone was like, I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to be a presenter. I'm going to do this. I want to, I want to go on a boat. I want to go. Do you know what I mean, it was everyone was like on this like mad thing, and it was like we were all just like obviously we were all loved up. Do you know what I mean, we were all just, we, I was in love with all of my friends. Do you know what I mean, I was the best. It was the best time for me. Like to come from where I come from, like, I didn't hang out with people, you know, I mean, I didn't do anything in Bradford, like, I'd grown up being, like, bullied and being in shit situations and being caught up in bad shit, you know what I mean, to go from that to that was, like, a big leap for me, so it was, like, wow, there's, like, as in, there's another world out there of people that actually, like, are just sound and you can actually enjoy yourself and there's no bullshit around it, and I think that cultivated, in my mind, like, right, fuck it, take the leap, do you know what I mean, and then, um, I wrote a letter to Northern Film School while I was in on I was on the floor behind the desk of my business. I just closed the shop because I've been I've been on a Louis <laughs> from Mission, and I was on the floor and I was just lied there and I was like, I can't be doing this. Do you know what I mean? I can't I can't be. This isn't my life. Do you know what I mean? And I literally penned a letter out to Northern Film School, just basically expanding on what I'd what I've said to you like going more into like my background and things that had happened when I was a kid and stuff and just like literally give us a chance do you know what I mean I don't know you don't I'm not saying I deserve one but I'm, I know I would take it and I, that's how I got my interview for the Northern Film School and went in got my interview charmed them as I do oh yeah <laughs> um, and they got in and got yeah they give they give like one or two special places to people you know either a mature student or somebody who doesn't have a levels or somebody who's just got the passion and I was lucky enough to be that person that year and that's that's kind of got me on the path to to getting myself you know get my degree get into London. Um, I was going to add to that then so you know you've done what you needed to do at the film school Northern Film School obviously Leeds was a beautiful base but then the migration to London. Was that something that just seemed the it, conclusive next step, or do you think it yeah. could work up here? No, I don't think it could. Like at the end of the day, you know, if you want to play football, you go to Madrid, you go to Manchester, you go to London, you go to yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? You go to you go to the meccas. Do you know what I mean? You you can play football in Barnsley if you want to, but you're not gonna reach your potential that you believe you can reach there. Do you know what I mean? That's what I always thought. It's like you need to go chase it. I wanted to chase it down and. You know, like, I was, you know, I don't have any shame in saying it. I was probably doing a little bit too many drugs at that point in my life. And that had kind of taken over a little bit, probably taken over a lot of us at that point. We were just partying way too hard, having way too good a time. And I knew that when I graduated, I remember I, was, I lived on my own in town. And I knew that um, if I didn't leave, like, uh, this was it for me this was my life I was going to be sitting there getting wrecked doing the same thing if you go back to Leeds now you see those same people that are doing the same thing same after party 10 years on do you know what I mean it's like I never wanted to be that 
that. Do you know what I mean, I never got in it to be that. You know what I mean, I, I fell into drugs and partying, and I love it, and I'll always have a special place for you me. Like saturated, you didn't want it to dry. Yeah, because it had given so much. Yeah, I mean, I, if I'm gonna die of drug overdose, I want to die famous of a drug overdose. So everyone knows I died of a drug overdose. Do you know what I mean? I want to die on my own, like no one knowing what the fuck went on. Um, that was only half a joke, by the way. Um, so yeah, it was just like I remember thinking I was like, right, I need to get to London. I need to get out of here. Do you know what I mean? My degree's not going to do anything sat in my pocket. I'm not going to get where I want to be sat up here. Do you know what I mean? The opportunities are there, and um, you know, I got one of our other mates, Raymondo. Um, new guy called Ryan Hope, who was a director, is a director um, for a production company at the time, and he got me work experience. So I went down, did a couple of weeks' work experience down there, and got on so well with them. They're all Northern lads, so I got on really well with them. Um, I bossed it basically because I, I was editing, I was doing it, I was doing everything the first week I was there. I was edit. They they are two guys hired, runners hired, and I just like wiped their I wiped their jobs out, and they fired them too, and just kept me. So I was like, you know, a fair one. Like, you know, I mean, I do know, I, I'm, it kind of gave me that thing to, I do know what I'm doing a little bit then because mm. I've, I've come from obscurity of never having worked in the film industry or never made a film for myself apart from my, my graduation piece to, you know, being yeah, recognised. Yeah, being recognised at a production company and a cool one as well, like a really cool one. Um, and that's how it started. And then I was, I, started, I was an intern there for two years, unpaid. You know what I mean? I slogged there, like, made ends meet, worked, did everything I could, did it. I was doing 15, 18 hour days there for two years. And in that time, uh, made my first kind of major production, I guess you'd call it, which was a fashion film uh, for this lingerie brand called Kiss Me Deadly. And that won an award. Um, and that kind of got me my first, I guess, signing to, to pitch and make films. Um, so while I was an intern at Stamp, which is a British company I was at, I... Uh, they let me start pitching on music videos. Um, Can you tell us that process? Um, yeah. Because you know, it's, it's quite an interesting angle, which a lot of people don't really get to see. So you've sort of built your kudos up now so people like your, your eye, your view, your taste of what you're shooting. Yeah. Then you get to go pitch. So how do you, what, what do you do? What, so how do you go it, about that? It, it's it's uh, when you're in a, when you are uh, a director in particular, your jobs come by win or lose. They don't come by any other way. You you have to pitch for the job. If you win the job, you get it and you get paid. If you don't, if you lose the job, you don't get the job or you don't get paid. There's no, you know, there's no salary. There's no getting paid to pitch. There's none of that stuff. So it's really simple. Like, let's say you are the artist and you've got a song and you want a music video. Um, there are middlemen, basically called like management companies that will manage that situation so your manager would send a brief to these companies and go we want a video we've got 10 grand it's for brownie it's this type of music he wants it to be a narrative piece blah 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 whatever brief you would give that then comes out to us directors get sent to directors that they think is in like you know got like style or would suit the track or whatever and then we submit what's called a treatment which is basically you know words and images and whatever you want to sell that video on paper you know, some basic treatment is, um, you know, you should read that treatment and by the end of it, know exactly what that video is going to look like, feel like, sound like, whatever. Um, and that's how you do it, you know. So you have to spend 24 hours, 48 hours, four days, whatever it is, making this document, which is a, which is a job in itself. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, re, um, that's a researcher's job. So research, 
researcher in a production company does that. It may, they make treatments for people. And I did that. I kind of fell into that um, during that time as well because you were really well paid. You get three hundred fifty quid a day um, to do that. You get to see what goes into preparing. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's how I it's how I learned to to make treatments to by doing other people's and you know I'm, I've you know I write as well. So it's like I was then I started people started asking me to write their treatments for them and and that's when it got really weird because it was like you know when you're creating something when you you consider yourself an artist or whether somebody else considers you because it considers you what you do are um it's a weird it's weird when somebody monetizes it and and you have to give it away so it's like i i remember i always remember i did this i was pitching on a music video which was like a grand and i was I was writing a, a treatment for another director, a big director for Formula One, which was like a million pound commercial. And I was like, look at these two things. And I was writing this for myself that was a grand. I was writing this was a million quid for this director. I didn't win mine that was a grand and he won his that was a million quid, but it was mine. Yeah, yeah. I wrote the idea. I referenced the images. I, I put the lighting in there. I, I, set, I put the direction in there. I told them what type of casting I'd like to see what eye colour, oh, that the girl should have freckles, all this stuff. And when the commercial came out, it was exactly as I'd written it. So it was my idea. And it, it made me kind of step back and go, like, I don't know how comfortable I am mm. give, giving away. Because you're t- you're, you're, when you're an artist, your talent is your commodity. Yeah. Like, you're paid, you're paid for your taste. It's as simple yeah, as that. It, it is your taste. It's your taste. It's your taste. That, but how you can... How you can best show that? Yeah, how you interpret it. Yeah, basically. Um, but the bottom line is, yeah, you are paid for your taste. You're paid for your opinion. I'm paid. I'm paid. You know, when I go and shoot a music video or a commercial or whatever it is, I'm paid to make all those decisions correctly. That's what they pay me to do. They pay me to go right, lighting, get it right, music, get it right, directing, art, get it right, production design, get it right. And I have to be the one that that lands on, and I have to give my opinion, and that opinion has to be right a thousand times to get a good film. Do you know what I mean? And that's what, that's what directing and that's what filmmaking is. Um, and well, it's, uh, do you know, do you know, so, sorry to cut you, but that's another that's mad thing about the directing side. Cause for people who are watching me and Danny, your boys go way back in, um, just before Christmas, uh, he agreed to shoot me doing like a one piece to the camera. Got who was that? Sorry. Take. Got it first take. Didn't I mean? <laughs> On me? Sorry. Yeah. 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 When I you were shooting it, I got it first take. You did get to say, yeah, yeah. But, but one thing that you said, interestingly enough, is that you'd not used your DSLR or operated on a camera in a long time. And I would not really stepped from the distinction of, wow, you, you know, I know you're a director, but a director is doing all those different assets as mm. opposed to just one one thing. It's the whole overall, like, yeah. operation. I think, I think a, lot of, a lot of people think when you say director that it's the guy with the camera in the hand running yeah. around filming people. That's the cameraman. It's not even the cinematographer. So the cameraman is a guy holding the camera. Then you've got a cinematographer stood behind him who is the head of the camera department who runs that department. So there's a focus puller, there's a cameraman, there's a loader, whatever. All those people in that department is run by the cinematographer and his job is to make sure the film looks how the director wants it to look. And then you go to art department and there's a, you know, there's a seamstress and there's a set designer and there's a painter and there's all these different artists there. But then there's an art director who runs that department. So he's there, the head of that department. They have made sure that what I say goes into the art department and that goes all the way around lighting. Gaffer's the head of, Gaffer is head of lighting and you've got Spark and you've got all these different people that work for them. So it's loads of little 
businesses and loads of little communities inside of one big film set that are all running independently through what I want them to do. So I liaise with my heads of department and the people who I li- I don't not I don't speak to them, but I've got four heads of department. I've got my cinematographer, I've got my art director, I've got my production designer, I've got my my lighting tech, I've got all these people, and I will speak to all of them between every take, and I'll say I want I need I want to change this lighting, I want a two K light there. Let's change this outfit. Let's change that whatever. And all the time you're creating this tapestry as it goes along. Do you know what I mean? It's a, a director is the best I've. I've probably told you this, Brownie, so was something before because I always say it when I'm fucked. Um, but the best description of a director that I've ever heard is Scorsese, and he said that um, a painter has a brush, a pot of paint an easel, um, et cetera, et cetera, all these singular things. And he uses all those things to create his work of art. It goes on a wall. People call it art. And that's what he's created. And he walks away from it. A director does exactly the same thing. But instead of having one easel, one piece of paper, one blah, 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 he's got a thousand easels, a thousand paintbrushes, a thousand, you know, all these different things, but and they're all in the hands of a thousand different people that he has to trust to yeah. paint exactly how he wants it to be painted. And his job is to convey exactly what he wants them to paint on their individual piece of paper. So when all those pieces of paper put to, pieces of paper are put together, it creates a perfect collage of what he envisioned. And that's how I was. That's when I knew what directing was when I heard that that quote and that's always stuck with me and I always say that because it is hard for people to understand what it is sometimes um, would, that, would that also then come into play because giving that sort of in-depth view to it how, how key pre-production is pre-production in the sense of what do you mean overall just like the utilising pre-production yeah I mean from, from what I would have thought director would have been just rocked up to the film set everyone's sort of there and it's like action cut you know, seeing how it is, seeing how they want to link it together and everything. But now it's almost like, right, well, you've got so many different facets that are crucial to the vision. So it's it's almost like you've got the whole the whole team, everybody, all the crew on board. Then you've got to have your own separate little meetings. Then you've got to have other meetings. Then you've got to see everything get set up. And it's another world, which I didn't even consider until you've sort of started. To yeah, yeah. Out. Well, there's 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 three there's three worlds of production. There's pre-production, in-production, and post-production. Those are the three levels. So you start in pre-production. In pre-production, you start with obviously the script. You hire the crew. You hire the locations. You get everything together that you need. You have all your meetings. You set everything up. You go on recce's location, recce's location. You go on is tech that, recce's. When you're going on recce's, is that you or again is that other people? That's there? that's the that'd be the norm of the heads of the department. So if it was a tech recce, I'll be going with my cinematographer, my gaffer, etc. All the people who are involved in the technical side of making the film. While on that recce, we would block out what's going to happen. Like for example, this this ward. This was the scene, it's me. Okay, we want the camera to track in and we want to pan round and see me here talking to you, blah, blah, blah. So we would block all that out in pre-production. We'd know where the camera was going to be. Then the gaffer would come in, we'd talk about what, how we want it to be lit, where we, where we can put the light in, we'd look where the lighting needs to go. So when it comes to the day, you, you've got your plan ready to go and you, you hit the ground running. On shoot days, anyone that shoots, um, anyone that's listening now or anyone that... Um, knows production, you know, your shoot day, your time is the most valuable thing you've 
that you own. You're paying for time when you're shooting. You're not paying for anything else. I don't care what anybody says, how much money you've got. I don't care how much bells and whistles you've got. You're paying for time. If you've got more money, essentially it's going to get you time. That's what it's going to get you. And that's the thing that you need more than anything because, you know, like everything I've shot, you run out of time. I've never not run out of time. It's it's impossible. So you want to get everything as, as much done as possible um, as you can in pre-production to, so everyone is on the ball and knows when that camera rolls that first time, everyone knows exactly what they're going to do, where they need to be. And, and everyone knows their job basically, because a lot of times you get that where people haven't, people haven't talked enough and then you get on the shoot and then you've got all these delays of like, oh, why is that there? Or why is, where's the light there? Or why is that being painted green instead of blue and all that stuff. So all that, it comes with, you know, it comes with experience. I made all those mistakes, you know, we all make them. But I made so many mistakes when I first started doing uh, music videos and stuff. Um, and you learn, you learn from those mistakes quick because those mistakes cost you your film, essentially. You know, I don't know what other people are like, but, if one thing's wrong in my film, no one will ever know it, but I will. Mm. And those, none of those things, none of those films that I've made, none of those music videos or whatever, that have one thing that no one has a Scooby that it wasn't how I wanted it because they would never know, but I know. And therefore it's not even on my reel because I can't watch it. Like I'm that type of, I'm that type of director. I can't look at it. I can't see it. I'm like, it drives me insane like to look at even it. Even after that long, that we would have gone into something. Yeah. Like I'm, obs I'm obsessive about it to the point where, you know, I've been for a lot of producers because I'm obsessive about how I work. And sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing, but the way I see everything that I do is that's my, that's my next best opportunity to get where I want to be. Every time I'm making something, that's my next best opportunity to push myself to the level what I know that I need to be on. So when something goes wrong or something isn't how I want it or something is interpreted incorrectly, other people might go, oh, yeah, I really liked it. It's like, yeah, but you don't know what it's going to be. You know, you don't know what it could have been. You don't know what I wanted it to be because people have got the fingers in it. And, and so from that comes with also with, you know, different mediums, you know, commercial worlds. It's a completely different world. It's the most diluted filmmaking you can do. You've got agencies, you've got brands, you've got people, the big wings, all these people with loads of money, marketing, all involved in the decision. And, it, you know, you you become this, expendable thing as a director in commercials unfortunately it pays, and I think that's why it pays really well because you, you do end up being a bit of a tool to the system and you know you haven't got that freedom that you would have in your own work where it's a narrative or a music video do you know what I mean and um, that then takes you to post-production it's exactly the same thing and post-production is different because you've got everything you need it's all in this bag you know Alex my um, my editor my long-time editor who's an amazing editor uh, I've worked with him on all my stuff. He's just like me. He, you know, we'll work 24 hours a day if we need to. We get told off together. You know, we ride or die. We like, we'll sit there and you know, we'll just, we'll just work until we, we've got it right. Do you know what I mean? And a lot of people leave at nine o'clock, leave at five o'clock because they want to go home. And that's fine. I, I'll no problem with that, people. But they're not my, they're not my filmmakers because I don't. I'm not doing. It's not a job for me. It's my, it's my life. Do you know what I mean? It's everything, everything. So when I'm doing those things, it's to get it exactly how I want it to be, exactly perfect. And you need those people around you with that same vision, do you know what I mean? And um, I've fallen I've fallen through a lot of traps of working with people for different reasons and it hasn't worked out, but mainly it's always because I see, I, I look at someone and I'm like, why aren't you as passionate about this and yeah. about this as I am? Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm fucking, I love being here. 
I love it. I remember my big, my, probably my best memory of filmmaking that ties into this. Um, sorry if I'm babbling, by the way. I don't know how long you want this to be. It's a chat. That's what it's, uh, it's loose yeah, yeah. lips. <laughs> fair, uh, fair one. Fair one. Fair one. Um, I was shooting my first short film, which is called Snare. Um, and we were out in the woods. Sorry, my foot's absolutely killing. I'm sorry. Who's oh. just sort of joined? Uh, Danny explained at the start of the talk how he's damaged both his feet and he's actually in hospital speaking to us. What a truth for man! So we were all be. So yeah, so I was in. I was in the middle of the woods. It was like two in the morning, freezing cold in November. Shooting my first film, Snare was basically about this gypsy, uh, gypsy that's racist um, traveler family um, who run away from their community for whatever reason. Um, and they're out in this, you know, they're out in, the, in their caravan in the woods and stuff. And I was shooting the scene. I remember being in the middle of this, this wood, looking around. To my right was like three armorers with shotguns and, and nine millies. And they're teaching the actors how to use them and how to hold them. I look to my left, there's a, a trailer that's like being almost cut in two that we're going to use for the end scene. I look to my front. There's like the guy from the fall, the bad guy from the fall with Julian Anderson there, ready to step on set who I'm working with. I'm like, bro, that's the guy from fall. I'm looking around, all these things are going off. There's these 20K, there's these 2K lights shining through all the trees and stuff. And I'm like, wow, I'm on a film set. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm on a film set. It might be my own short film. It might not be the one that gets me exactly noticed, but like literally, it, I, was, I was just like, it was the moment where I knew that, that I'd made the right choice and I was exactly where I needed to be. Do you know what I mean? Almost uh, like uh, stepping out of your own reality to appreciate oh yeah. where you've gone. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was the most out-of-body experience I've ever had, not on drugs. Do you know what I mean? It was like, I was literally like, wow, like I'm directing a film. Like uh, I'm directing a film. And the truth is, whether I had a million pounds for that or 10 grand, it's the same thing. It's the same experience, same, same setup, same decision. You just got more money. So I always say, like, you know, when you see it go to the movies and watch a film that's been made for 100 grand and it makes 500 million, it was made in the exact same way the end game was made. It was just more people and more money. Do you know what I mean? So, are they what, sorry? Not yet, no. No. Um, sorry, the, I'm, having, I'm having a new cast spot on my leg and they've been supposed to come for like two hours. So they're, they're stressing out. Um, and that, yeah, that anyway, that was my moment where I was like, uh, this is what I want to do forever. Do you know what I mean? This is all I want to do and this is all I will ever do. It's as simple as that. There's no there's no coming away from it. This is what I'm... I don't like to say this is what I'm born to do because I'm not somebody who drastically believes in fate as in like, this is what your life is going to be before you know it's going to be it and stuff. I believe we do create our own lives and I believe we have the ability to change and develop and manifest. Like you've shown at Crossroads or even when there weren't anything there, you've changed the path to follow your desire and passion. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's what. I think it's a trap that some people are getting. You know, I think people are like, I'm destined to be famous, or I, I'm. I know I'm going to be a big actor, but they're not doing anything to get themselves there. If you were destined to be it, you would have to. You could just sit on your ass and you're going to be it. Do you know what I mean? It's not the way. It's not the way it works. You have to get off your ass and go put in the hours and go put, go graft, and you got to take the nos and the yeses, and you got to take the years on and the years off. It's not necessarily graft when you love it. When you're in it, it's what you want to be around anyway, and it's about that development, and it's your own little nods that you know you've you've bettered yourself at your craft. Exactly, yeah, and I think like that comes with that comes with um, 
you're probably the same, Brownie. Like you know, like you, when you're, I know, watched you over the years develop your your presenting and your comedy and different things. And you know, like when I watch people do things and I'm I'm watching them from afar, I can still see what they're doing because I know that I've done that myself. Do you know what I mean? And I, and I watch and I think you've taken a step there. You've taken a step because I watched you before and I'm watching you now. And some things changed, some things moved. And what the thing that's moved is you. Nothing's come into your life to make something any better or give you the opportunity. You've gone out and chased it down that little bit harder every time and you've gone that little bit faster every time. And, you know, it doesn't matter what you want to do. Um, I was talking to my ex Luna about this and, like, I was saying, you know, she's uh, she wanted to be a makeup artist and she's diff- a few different things. And it's like, you know, like, I see things in people and I see the talent in them and I see the the desire that they want to do it and you but like you're wanting them to go do it for themselves do you know what I mean and you want to see you want to see them do it do you know what I mean you want to see that person you know they've got it in them um but back to what I was saying the trap of being going like oh man like I know that's what I'm meant to do but like I just don't know how I'm going to do it it's like there's only one way to do it it's hard work you you said an amazing term earlier and uh, I'll say this term and then we've got to uh let on to some of these comments that are coming through each group because it's absolutely going to really? chat. Absolute jokers have joined. But you said you chased it down. You chased it down. And I've never heard anyone say that. I've heard people say they chase it, but I've never heard anyone put it like, I chased it down. Well, it's trying to get away. I believe that it's trying to get away from you. It, it's not staying in one place. Your your success, the, the, the goal, that golden nugget that you're so searching for to make you happy He's not going to stay in that one place. I think it's, it's moving close. You, so you think it's getting away, but you're getting I think quicker it's get, and you catch I it. think it's getting away from you. I think you're getting better. It's an interesting look at it. I think, I think that, I think that your, the world keeps turning. Do you know what I'm saying? And if you throw something out into orbit, it'll forever be spinning around on that thing. But if you don't go and, if you don't chase that down and go and find a way of getting up there and going to get it, you're never going to reach it. It's always going to be there. Really Do you know what I'm saying? interesting way of looking at it, that. And the bottom you have line to is get better to improve to speed to exactly, catch and it's not even. Yeah. And sometimes it's not even getting better. It's just becoming wiser and more knowledge about the things that you already know. Do you know what I mean? It's like I, I am not, I am not going to sugarcoat where I am right now. Like I am plat. I my my kind of like development has plateaued a little bit mm. because problems with production company and different things and. Um, supposed to be moving to LA, that didn't happen for different reasons. Only just got my visa last year and different things like that. And I could be way, way, way ahead, and I probably thought I would be a lot further ahead than I am now. But the truth is, that's the whole point of it. Like, it doesn't go hunky dory all the time. It's not roses. It's not some like magical trip to Neverland that you're always ascending on, and it's like, wow, I'm getting better and better. Sometimes you, you, you're hitting these heights, and you're going, wow, look at me. I'm in the middle of the woods shooting a film, or look at me. I've won an award for this. And the, the next minute, you're sat there with nothing to do. Do you know what I mean? And you're like, shit, where am I paying my rent? That's the truth of it. Um, so you've got to take that on board. Do you know what I mean? You've got to accept that that's the path and the path of anyone in the art is that you're going to struggle most of the time until you make that one big leap to the next level. And that's just something you've got to accept. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and you've got to not be jealous of the people that make it quickly. You've got to not be je- jealous. You've got to not be envious of the people that have been given a hand up. Because you know what, what's really helping me with that at the moment is um, the I think it's Lao Tzu who said when you when you have a candle and it's lit, when a candle lights another candle, your candle doesn't go out. 
Yeah, you stay lit. Light for everybody yeah. to create. You don't have. You to, can pass you know, it around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's something that's really helped me sort of um, just be grateful for everybody else's mm. successes because it knows that I, my own success is my own personal destiny yeah. to where I know I'm going to reach. So you've got to drop. You've got to drop people off who you see envy or jealousy, and you got to drop them off and leave them be. I don't care how long you've known them. I don't care who they are. If somebody's looking at you, thinking why's he got that I should have it or like you know like he doesn't deserve that I deserve it drop them off they're not they're not made to be on your journey with you you should only be having people around you that would literally probably rather see you succeed than them because by you by them you succeeding they've succeeded do you know what I mean like when I see my friends succeed you know, like, you know, Waf, like, I wonder about good mates. Like, in the group, and we're going to come to him in a minute. He's proper popping off with comments. <laughs> well, like, I've got, I've got a lot of talented friends around me. He's smashing it. Do you know what I mean? He's, he'll be the first one to say he probably wants to be further than he is, but he's smashing it. When I watch him smash it, I'm not thinking, fuck, he's smashing it. He's loaded. I ain't got any money. I'm thinking, mint. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, he's living the life that he wants to live. I'm so, like, I'm, I watch him and I, I think, wow, like that's just that's just a what you said. That's just a light to look at other people and, and go, like, I can do that. Do you know what I mean? I can be as successful as anyone around me. Do you know what I mean? I don't need to be jealous of them or or want things from them. I, I hear, I've heard it. We've all heard it. You sit at an after party, someone's in your ear about somebody else, and it's like, oh, they've got this, they do that. It's like, why are you wasting your life? Do you know what I mean? What you what you, what you wasting your life talking about other people for or to other people? It's like all that energy could be going into you, into your passion. The times when you sat with no money and you got beans on toast for tea, and you you know you know that yeah. But on the flip side of it, on you on your Instagram, you're popping off. Do you know what I mean? But they don't know you've got beans on toast. Do you know what I mean? They don't know you're sat in hospital with broken legs. They don't know that you're wherever. They just see you and like, wow, that's such a sick thing you've just done. They don't know how much money you got paid for it. They don't know that you did it for free. They don't know that all those things that go into it. So, like, you've just got to be aware all the time when you're working that gratitude is the key to all of it because when you're grateful for this right now, this conversation, when you're grateful for everyone that you meet, the people that you haven't met that you're going to meet, are you grateful for those things? Like you don't have time to be like jealous and angry and sad and all those things. All those things come when you give yourself, you make yourself idle to all those things. You know what I mean? Um, and that changed me. You know, I suffered from depression for, for years do you know what I mean? Like years and years, suicidal, suicide attempts. I was, you know, I was, I was, wasn't happy for years from 12 to, I don't know, five years ago, maybe four years ago. I just wasn't ever happy. And that was the first step. Be grateful. It was the first step to me going, why, why would I be, why would I be unhappy about what I've got now? I've got like, you know, I'm looking at a flat screen TV and I'm playing on a PlayStation and, do you know what I mean? I've got people texting me asking if I'm okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, how can you not be grateful for that? And that changed me so massively. Like, it now makes me like comfortable in my journey. I'm not, I'm not striving beyond what I know that is reachable for me. And every step I move, I'm going to move to it solidly and go like, right, I'm locked. Now I'm locked up on this now. Now I can move to the next one and the next one and the next one. The goal always changes, but I'm happy with every step that I reach. Instead of going, I want that one that's over there and I'm not going to be happy till I get it. I hear you, man. I hear you. And like you say, chasing it down is such an interesting angle of how you view 
how you've changed my perspective subtly with that subtle shift of like framing of word in there. So I big you up for that. Uh, we've probably got another five minutes. So I want to ask you about uh, the relationship between a director and producer and also what is going on with uh, Los Angeles and that side of it, you know, flipping from London to LA. But before we do, shout out people in the group. So why, why aren't you replying to your message? Never mind being in this group. Reply to my message. I want you to be a guest as well, bro. Because he's Shout out. That's all you need Waff. to know. What's going on about your legs, bro? He's absolutely ruining your legs. He's uh, lonely. Fliss. Shout out, Fliss. Ukashana, I want you on as well, please. So do hit me up. Yes, uh, please. David CW, he's been uh, bigging you up through it as well. You know David, David Woodhouse. Yeah, you know, man. And uh, ex Lulugram. That's Mike's girlfriend. Ah, uh, hello. Still, still very good friend. Hello, hello all. Thank you for. Uh, thank you all for uh, tuning into mine and Danny's chat. So yeah, for next five minutes, do you want to sort of? Round it off with, like, you know, we sort of got to a point where you're in London. Uh, it's plateaued a bit, so maybe a bit about the photography that you've been doing as well. And then yeah. So then a step to the vision of LA as your, your, your golden mecca. Yeah. So, like, I mean, when I say plateau, it was more like, you know, I, I hold myself up highly to what I want to be as an artist and what I want to create and what I want to shoot. And the opportunities that I started getting were, I felt, not in line with what I am as, as a creator so I would start to turn things down things would come in less and less because what I wanted to do was out there less and less um and you know that happened over time and it does happen you know what I mean like people move production companies all the time bands move labels all the time or you know DJs move managers all the time it's just how it goes you know what I mean and when that happened this time around because I was smashing it like the year before last I was I'd earned the most money I'd ever made in a year I'd shot like six commercial five commercials or I was like, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd like, I was cash rich for the first time in my life. I was like, wow, I've got money, do you know what I mean? And it was, um, it was a crazy thing. Hi. You, you, what, you want to do my arm? Yeah, come in. Um, you're going to see my arm getting done. Ow. And, um, ow. So, yeah, it was just like, right, well, I need another form of income that's going to keep me away from, I didn't, never wanted to do anything extra that was going to kind of stress me out or take me away from the passions that I had. And, I, you know, I take pictures anyway. And I was like, you know, I could easily be a photographer. I've got the same eye for it. It's all the same stuff. I wanted to always be a photographer and work alongside my film work anyway. Do you know what I mean? So it was kind of, you know, start that. So I started doing photography and that was great. You know, started paying well. I'm doing interesting projects, um, working for a lot of different people, getting really good at it now. So I'm able to, I'm setting up my own shoots now. Uh, fashion shoots, you know, looking for models and and crew. By the way, if anyone's wants to get involved, um, and it's so surreal. <laughs> and um, yeah, sorry. Um, and yeah, so that's where I'm at in London. And like, you know, I got my visa last year for LA. As you know, Brownie, I've always LA has always been my dream. Um, and I went over there for a month in January, uh, and it was great. Um, Michelle, who is the person company owner over there. Um, are you putting that in my mouth? Can you put it under my arm? Yeah, put it under my arm. Big up the front line as well, man. Big up the yeah. NHS. Big up the, she's, saying big, she's saying big up the NHS. She said thank you. Um, so, yeah, so, like, I was, like, you know, I was, like, I've always been trying to get there for, by whatever reason. And, you know, I was with my girlfriend for the, over the last, like, six month year and it was like um 
you know, my focus was on her and stuff, and that happens, you know what I mean? You're kind of focused on different things and, and whatnot, and um, I'm single now, and it's kind of like, you know, she's doing her own thing, I'm doing my own thing, and you start to come into yourself again, and you start kind of looking at, like, what do I actually want to do? And, you know, that's always been the thing that I've wanted to do, do you know what I mean? It's it's, it's always felt like the next step. I've got I've got the team over there, I've got people over there wanting to... Yeah, I've got... I've got people there want to make movies with me and want me to write films. And um, Michelle is a good friend of mine over there. She's owns a production company called Nowhere. They've just made like three or four films um, and different things. Um, so that, that that's the next the step, really. Like, I don't know when that was a needle. Then I was like, that is the biggest needle I've ever seen. Just going to your heart. I was like, what? It's a thermometer. <laughs> it's proper cows. <laughs> I was like, what's going on? Um, okay. Um, so, yeah, so that's the next step. Man. I don't know when it's going to be, but I'll be over there at some point. That's my, that's my, always been my kind of goal. And we'll see what happens. Um, like I said, I've got opportunities there that are far reaching beyond London. And there's, there's so much, you know what I mean, writing wise. And there's just so much there that I know I can grasp and I'm going to smash it over there. And, you know what I mean? I'm going to make a movie there. Do you know what I mean? It's as simple as that. So, it's, I have to do it at some point, do you know what I mean? And and there's been things getting got in the way and the things that got in the way haven't really been in the way. It's always just been my own kind of blockage, do you know what I mean? I've been like, this is a big step, you know, I don't have, fam you know, you know, I don't have family around me. I don't have like support. I've never had that kind of like unit of like to fall back on. So it's always been scary. It's been fine in London and England because it's like, I've lived this life, but to move to another country and not have anyone backing you up, I don't want to be homeless. On, I don't want to be that kid homeless on the streets of LA, which is very possible, do you know what I mean? move to move to another country so um yeah it's like this is probably a good time to end it <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> this is ace. right it is a probably good time to end it my brother because <laughs> <laughs> but basically you're gonna see you're gonna see one of my movies in the next couple of years without a shadow of a doubt I've got shorts out there. You can go search them down. My artist name is Wolf Cub with a V, W O L F C V B. Um, you can go watch my work um, and support. I'm doing a fundraiser. Fundraiser. What's it called? Crowdfunder. Crowdfunding for my next short, which I'm trying to get crowdfunded. So I want everyone who gives a shit about me or my work to chip in and get my next film made because I've got a wiki script that is going to boss, and I just need to get it made. Um, so I'm going to be putting a fundraiser up for that at some point in the next couple of months, I guess, and um, keep working on that. And that's that's back to what we were saying, bro. Always be working. Always be doing something, whether it's the smallest thing, whether it's the tiniest, tiniest little thing. I have a board at my house, a whiteboard. And even if I'm not writing something, even if I'm not shooting something, even if I'm not taking pictures, even if whatever, I'm always writing little things on that whiteboard, whether it's a little poem that I thought of or, whether it's, you know, a, a scene or a character that I've come across or like in here, I've met like three or four crazy people. And it's like, you're obviously going to be in my next film. This, that's where characters for films come from. The people, the right people, the writers meet. So I'm always writing these things down. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, I'm always doing something. Do you know what I mean? And I always feel like that I'm doing something, even if people don't see me doing anything and whatever. Do you know what I mean? And, and people write you out. Don't forget about that as well. It's not all cream do you know what I mean people will write you out even people close to you will write you out and be like nah, I don't know if he's going to make it or is he really good enough or is he really going to do anything with his life you know all that type of shit that you get all the time 
it's not all like support. Like we've got this, I always felt that we, our friends lived in a bubble because we were so supportive of each other and so into each other and into each other succeeding and stuff that you don't realize that outside that little bubble, like people are out, people are out for themselves. You know what I mean? You've got to be aware of that. Do you know what I mean? So that's another reason to like always just be focusing on yourself because people aren't focusing on you. They're focusing on themselves. Do you know what I mean? Like don't get twisted. Um, and it's it's important to just put yourself first. And I think not enough people do that. Do you know what I mean? Not people are putting themselves first. My my friendship group's got so small, so, so small from that alone. But because the people I give my energy to now are people that are going to enrich me and make my life better. And that's what's important. And we'll leave it at that. You're a G. You're straight up G. And you're straight up gangster limping for the next few months anyway, officially with your pots. Uh, but thank you for your time. Thank you for your time. No worries, brother. Massive chat. It was positive, which I knew it was going to be. Uh, get well soon. Let us know how you are. And also then, because I believe this will be continuing after uh, the whole climate changes and everything. It'll be good to have another catch-up when you're ready to do your uh, crowd fundraiser and maybe do something. Oh, definitely, man. Definitely. Oh, you hit me up any time. You know I've always got time for you, bro. Respect, my G. Look always. After. Peace. Love, man. So there you are, everyone. That, there you are, everyone. That was me chatting with Danny DeVille, director, extraordinaire, photographer. It was an enlightening chat. I was actually in hospital. Uh, if you missed the start of it, what I'll be doing is all the chats that I do, I always upload them to my YouTube channel, and then I'll be passing them to the people who spoke with to share out. So you'll be able to see it from the start. But it goes into why we actually injured himself. But thank you, everybody, who's been uh, active in the group, shall we say. Waff, hit me back. Get any of your messages. I've DM'd you. I definitely want to get you involved with Blue Slips. So do hit me up, brother, because it'll be good to get you on board. Uh, next up, I'm going to end this chat and I'm going to start another chat with the drummer of Liam Gallagher's band, Dan, from one Dan to another. So make sure you check that out because we're definitely going to wear some cool stories and just get on a level and uh, hear about how he became to be how he is and in the position that he is as well. And I've met him before. He's a cool guy, so it'll be a sick chat. Thank you to everybody who's joined in. The aim of Blue Slips is to help you sort of forget the situation we're in. And, uh, you know, I want to just send blessings. We'll get through this together as one and all. So peace and light to you and yours. See you for the next chat.